I became uh, an airline pilot when I was pretty young. Started flying as you know, as soon as I was able to. Twelve years old, I took my first flying lesson, and really had a great career. And I joined uh, an airline in Japan when I was thirty, and it was a, a dream contract. It was uh, two weeks on, two weeks off. You could live anywhere in the world. The airline would fly you to work, uh, and it was a ton of money. And up until that point, my life had gone pretty well. Career had gone phenomenally well and uh, I had a, a partner with me that we, we, we moved to Japan and we decided we were going to travel uh, every month to a new country we were just going to keep traveling for as long as we could so it was just an incredible experience we were so blessed so we we lived in Sydney for a bit and then we lived in Hawaii and then we were living in San Francisco and I had this feeling that things weren't uh, this is not the relationship that I wanted for the rest of my life, and this is not the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, all of you amazing, abundant leaders out there? I am Walter Carmichael, your founder and host of the Men of Abundance podcast, the Pay It Forward community, proving to you that you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. At the time of this recording, we are going through some unprecedented crazy times. It is March 29th, 2020. And I'm telling you what, I would have never predicted the events that are taking place right now today. But I'm here to tell you, I have been out and about doing essential events, uh, essential things that I have to do, you know, buying food and stuff like that, looking for toilet paper of all things. And I've been attending multiple virtual events, everything from hanging out with a bunch of HVAC professionals, other uh, general contracting professionals. I even hung out with Steve Sims Friday night and had a couple drinks with 40 different people on Zoom. And we're all just sitting there just talking and having a good time, telling jokes, uh, seeing what's going on in everybody's lives. I've also been on the phone and uh, messaging back and forth and getting on private Zoom meetings with multiple business owners. And some are doing well, others are not doing well at all. There are multiple reasons why businesses would struggle in times like this that could have been prevented had they had strategies in place a year to five years ago. The bad news is this is all going to happen again. It happened in 2008. It happened 10 years prior to that, 10 years prior to that, and so on and so forth. It's always going to happen. And unless businesses and business owners put strategies in place to prevent this type of thing from being a catastrophic event, to being able to, at the very least, get through it, then every time an event like this happens, you're always going to suffer. So I'm very happy to say that I'm in a position to where I'm able to pay it forward and help all of these business owners help you ensure that you have the strategies in place to get through this, number one, and two, to ensure that it doesn't affect your business in such an extent the next time this happens. And the way I'm going to start off paying this forward in a big way is I am offering a no BS, no cost, no upsell virtual focus group on Zoom for you business owners who need to implement some strategies today to get through this and to help you dominate your market when all of this is said and done. This event is going to be held on Tuesday, March 31st, and you can register at wallycarmichael.com forward slash webinar, wallycarmichael.com forward slash webinar, or click on the link that's in the show notes. And listen, be abundant in your actions today, pay it forward, share this episode, share that link, share this conversation with others, and I promise you, whoever you share this with will come back and thank you. All right, let me introduce you to our featured guest for this episode. Nathan Seward enjoyed a successful 16-year career as an airline pilot before becoming a personal coach and host of the Nathan Seward Show. He believes through the process of self-discovery and self-mastery, entrepreneurs can change the world whilst creating extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. 
He supports entrepreneurs to create game-changing businesses that help people and the planet in new and innovative ways. From being a successful entrepreneur in the food industry to leaving at the height of his piloting career to serve others, he's always lived at the edge of his comfort zone, taking on new and challenging things in service of being his best self and serving the world. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Nathan Seward. Nathan, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How are you doing? I'm good, Wally. Thanks for having me. It's, real, oh, it's uh, my pleasure, brother. Where are you at in the world? Uh, I'm in New York at the moment. But are you, are, is that where you live or are you just hanging out there? What are you doing? Yeah, kind of. It's, uh, I've been pretty nomadic the last two years. I've been traveling the world and, and sort of spending two or three months in lots of different countries. And I kept finding myself coming back to New York and back to New York and back to New York. And so I decided to spend a little bit more time here. So I've been here for six months and oh, sort of wow. here indefinitely. Yeah, yeah, good for you. I've got family in New York on my wife's side, and we've been married 27 years. I'm sad to say I have not made it there yet. But now that we finally live, you know, on the mainland and not yeah, you you're know, on the east coast, a, right? Yeah, across a large body of water, um, uh, we'll certainly take a drive over there uh, before too long. Hell, I just drove to Arizona and back. I think I can make it to New York from here. <laughs> yeah, when it calls you, it'll be uh, you'll know. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'm looking forward to it because I, I, you know, I've heard great things, and um, I just want to go there and check it out anyway. It's a crazy town. I haven't really got my head around. It. I don't know if anybody ever really does. You know, it feels like it, it's obviously an intense energy. So, mm -hmm. uh, it's full of you know the best people in every industry in the world tend to gravitate here. So you're mm -hmm. surrounded by this very ambitious strong powerful energy which can be really inspiring and really exciting and on the other hand can um be very draining or can have mm. you feeling like you're, you're not good enough or everybody's better than you or everyone's you know got more than you there's always always someone in new york that's doing better or has more than you that's well, what i've noticed well, no matter what level you're at man. That's yeah. true everywhere. And, you know, the picture you just painted is basically the picture I had in my head uh, pretty much to a T. Now, I was just, as I just briefly mentioned, I was down in Arizona, and uh, that's where I was born and raised in Phoenix, and I hadn't been there in years. And it seems like everybody from California is moving to Arizona, and everybody I talked to was like, no, I'm from California. I've just been here a couple months, and or I've been living here a couple years. Here in Tampa, everybody seems to be from New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh really moving here from new york yeah it's kind yeah of i know uh there's a lot of people moving to austin texas now mm -hmm. as well from new york i think it, a similar vibe but you know a little bit more sustainable yeah now austin i have been to and it is i like austin it's it's pretty high paced but it's still you know you take a couple you take a couple uh drive a couple miles outside of town and you know you're in some uh, completely different atmosphere and that's the same in new york too as far as the state's concerned yeah, well, I come from a, a small place in New Zealand, so everything in America feels fast-paced to me. Oh, I bet. <laughs> Absolutely. The one the one continent I have not been to or one part of the world anyway is, is New Zealand, Australia, and I really want to get to New Zealand. I hung out with some New Zealanders um, some when I was out in, um, goodness, where was I? Sinai, Egypt. I was out there for six months, and they have uh, some of their military are out there as well and just had a great time going to the Kiwi Bar. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, it's a, a smallish country, very mm -hmm. isolated, I guess. We're sort of down the bottom of the world. So a lot of uh, Kiwis leave the country. You know, once they get to 18, 19, 20, finish school, finish university, uh, college, they uh, they tend to travel because it's that feeling of feeling like you're in the middle of nowhere, isolated. Everybody's desperate to get out and see the world. So the, there's some crazy statistic. There's four and a half million people in New Zealand, and I think there's... <clears throat> 900,000 overseas or something like that wow. living and, and working. Very interesting. That's interesting to learn because I I had heard and confirmed this if I'm incorrect, but correct me if I'm wrong, but I had heard because my wife and I, you know, we've always thought about living abroad ultimately when I did retire from the military and um, which has happened four years ago now. But when we were looking at New Zealand, one of the things was that you have to come with a skill and not everybody just gets, you know, yeah, you can just move there and decide that's now your residence. There's some other stipulations that are involved in in moving and being a resident of New Zealand in that you have to contribute in some way. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I think that's right. It's, it's like everything, you know, when you come from a country, you know nothing about what it's like to immigrate there, right? So right. I, I could tell you everything about immigrating to America, but I'm I, sure. I, I don't know that much about immigrating to New Zealand. But I, I think that's right. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's it's a certain skill level. I think you have to bring a certain amount of money. So, yeah, I think there is quite strict rules around that. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting thing to think about, guys. All right, so, man, before we get too much into uh, this is why I told you I don't know exactly how long the conversation is going to go. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> because I'm just a curious dude, man. That's why I like to do this. So I like to start out with an attitude of gratitude. Nathan, what do you have to be grateful for today? Oh, man, look, you know, I said to you, I, I've kept coming back to New York for a long time, and I, uh, you know, sometimes the city can be quite overwhelming, but uh, I'm just so grateful that I'm here, that I managed to make this happen. It was a dream for a long time. And like I say, coming from New Zealand, everything in America kind of is exciting and feels feels like you're in the movies to us. <laughs> so the fact that I get to live in New York and, uh, you know, wake up and I can see the Empire State Building out the window, I'm so grateful that I'm able to do that. Yeah, and that's a wonderful thing. That's one thing that I try to get across to so many guys that I talk to is, look, man, you're not a tree. If you don't like your environment, you can change it. And that means physically where you live. Too. It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's possible. So we're going to get into some of your story and how that became a possibility for you specifically and what made you do that and be able to travel around and, and live where you want to live, which I just think is amazing and very important to live a fulfilling and, and uh, life of abundance. But I talked a little bit before we got started here what you're doing professionally, which I really dig and why I wanted to have you on the show. But here on Men of Abundance, we like to get you know more personal and get to know the man behind the abundance. So if you would, how would you describe yourself? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. It's a good question. Uh, you know, I would describe myself, when I'm at my best, I'm incredibly loving individual uh very curious very ambitious very playful and humorous uh you know I, i'm quite smart and, and can be brilliant at times and you know when i'm not feeling my best i can be uh incredibly self-loathing can be really hard on myself can always see the worst in myself can uh you know can have some addictive tendencies towards uh, alcohol and sex and that kind of thing uh so I, I sort of see myself as, as all of that. I, I love all those parts of me, or I, I try to love all those parts of myself. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mixture of all those things. Yeah, that's um, what do you do in those times when you're feeling really down on yourself? What are some of the things that bring you back to where you really want to live because that is who we are that's we all have that in us i know i do i'll speak for myself and, and ditto the same thing that i'll you know I'll, I'll binge a little bit on my alcohol which my wife will always curb me i'm glad i got her around um and then all the different thought processes and destructive ideas and and just being an ass quite frankly to some people i'm very known for doing that <laughs> my wife, if my wife isn't around you know it just gets worse but what do you do to pull yourself out of those you know out of that mindset uh it's tough you know i acknowledge that it's tough uh and that it, i don't always pull myself out of it uh but yeah i think i i I don't tend to be an ass to people. I, I tend to go pretty in, inwards. Mm -hmm. So if I'm not feeling in a great state or, I, uh, or I'm or i down on myself or, or things aren't going well or I just can't see the wood for the trees, I tend to hide myself away. I think, you know, I, I have a lot of shame when I'm in those states. So the shame keeps me keeps me locked away and isolates me from people. And so I think it's, it's that uh, that leads me to drinking or, you know, binging Netflix or you know being promiscuous is a big part of how I you know get self-worth or feel mm -hmm. self-worth if I if I am feeling down uh, so at, again at my best so this doesn't always happen but at my best I'll try to uh, feel what it is that I'm I'm avoiding and so usually like uh, the more awareness I have I know that most of my breakdowns occur from not feeling good enough, so feeling like I'm, I'm not good enough, or I'm failing, or I'm not doing enough, or, you know, I, I, I wasn't great in this 
relationship or you know beat, beating myself up because i didn't do well enough mm-hmm. and so uh if i can sit with that usually through meditation if i can sit with that for 20 minutes 40 minutes an hour and just feel ah god what I, i'm feeling not good enough i'm i'm, I'm what's that feeling oh god yeah i feel like a failure oh yeah i can feel that in my chest that hurts in my chest i notice that if i can give that feeling the space to be felt it just eventually moves through me uh i don't know if that sounds really woo woo to you but all the behaviors like drinking and everything it's all to avoid me just sitting with the feeling that i'm not good enough Mm -hmm. no Dude, thanks for sharing that and being so open about that because it's extremely important. This is where a lot of people get into into trouble is they try to suppress their feelings. Uh, and I'm I, I'm not getting all, you know, like you're saying, all woo-woo and touchy-feely and stuff. But the fact of the matter is men and women, but specifically men, we try to either hide our feelings or just don't let that let it come out. Don't let the shit come out, you know, and just feel it for what it is and then get through it. And this is where I believe in what I've, you know, studied and read and, and you know, what I know uh, a lot of depression comes from because depression comes from the feeling of you can't get out of that situation because you're not letting yourself get through the situation, right? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a, a deep topic and a big topic. One of, uh, we were talking about New Zealand briefly, one of the reasons I got into this work initially was New Zealand has one of the highest suicide rates in the world and has mm. certainly in the Western world and it has one of the highest like the highest teen suicide rates in the world so it's like huh you know beautiful country wealthy you know why are we killing ourselves at such a high rate and so suicide and and, uh, and depression are very close to me and I, I thought a lot spent a lot of time on that and I think uh, you're, you're right. They say really simply, depression is, is living in the past. Anxiety is living in a in the future, mm-hmm. and and the stress associated with those things. And so, again, I think uh, the the temptation is for men, I think, to try and push through it or find a way to shake it off. Or you know, we all have strategies to kind of to to plow on through when things aren't going well. And I think that works to a point. I think that will get you somewhere. Uh, but I think if you, if you want to have true transformation, if you want to have something that actually moves you through it for good, it is allowing yourself to feel it. It is allowing yourself to go, man, What what is the thing that keeps this coming back to me? And like you say, for depression, instead of trying to get out of it, what if you allowed yourself to sit in it and really feel into what, the, the root of that was yeah yeah absolutely what do you think is from what you've um been researching and whatnot what do you think is the cause of so many such a high uh suicide rate in new zealand especially amongst teens so i think i haven't checked the stats lately but i think uh, suicide is increasing in all western countries mm-hmm. uh so it's, it's not just a new zealand problem we just happen to do it better than everybody else uh from what so from what I can see, it's uh, there's a, we have a really tough uh, male culture in New Zealand. So if you, again, I think if you go right back, you see like there's this crazy little you know island in the bottom of the world, and there was a bunch of British and Irish and Scottish people, and Welsh people that said, "Hey, we're willing to get on a boat and go for three months to this unknown rock in the middle of the ocean." Uh, in the hope of that being better than what we have here in the UK. Uh, so if you think about those type of people, and this is not that long ago, 1850, that, that wanted to do that, that's a very tough, hardy, uh, adventurous type of people. And I think our culture is built on that in a lot of ways, a very tough uh, survival culture. And so, yeah, we have very, very strong men. Rugby is the biggest game, you know, a game where we go and beat each other up you know, for, for 80 minutes, and the rugby stars are sort of celebrated in New Zealand. And so uh, that strong uh, male, like, able to uh, take any pain without flinching, that's kind of the male role model. And so I think as times do get tough for, for, for some guys, they don't have a way to 
process that. Or they, don't, they don't want to show that pain or they think they, they are a failure and there's, they don't have a way to share that or work through it. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And and that's consistent with really what has, what I've learned within the military um, family is, you know, that's kind of being that mindset and that ideology is slowly being broken. Uh, but still, we have so many different male you know, egos that just think they got to do everything themselves. And the fact is that's the worst way to take care of issues like that specifically. Well, how does it, how does it work? In, uh, I know the, the veteran uh, suicide or depression issue is a big issue. I, I don't know that much about it. Do you know sort of about that or, or what might lead to that? Is it a similar thing? Well, with the military specifically and, and those that are diagnosed with uh, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which I prefer as a uh, post-traumatic growth um, in a healing process because if once you decide that you have a disorder and you own it, then that's yours. Congratulations, you get to keep it for life. Um, that's my mindset on it anyway, and you got to right. really get into a growth mindset, which you can call it post-traumatic because you had a traumatic incident, and the same happens to you know, first responders, and quite frankly, one of the largest populations with PTSD are are, um, are foster children because they're unwanted from birth, and they're unwanted throughout their entire teens until they're 18, and then they're told, hey, you're an adult now, go out into the world and thrive, and <laughs> they yeah. don't. Uh, so, and a lot of them, quite frankly, join the military. So they join the military with a lot of these issues, and then over the last of the, you know, course of the last 10 years, or so they, and then of course you still got Vietnam veterans and stuff as well who got no help when they came back from war. They go over there and they do things and see things that humans should not see or do. That normally, quite frankly, Americans don't normally see or do. Um, other countries see that from birth, you know, death and destruction and stuff like that because of the environment right. that they grew up in. But for Americans, Generally not. So it's just not natural. It's just not normal. I'm not saying it's normal for anybody, but the fact of the matter is they're adults and they deal with this. Then they come back and they try to reintegrate into what we refer to as normal society. And normal society does not understand what these men and women have gone through and what they've seen. Uh, and they act like they do, but they don't. And so it's frustrating to the veteran and then on my side, what I do as a business and life strategist is I work a lot with veterans who decide to start their own business, which in itself is a stressful environment. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely stressful. They think it would be easier to work for themselves than work for the man, and I'm here to tell you <laughs> it is not. Uh, it's easier to go to work be told what to be told what to do and then go home and not have to worry about it anymore, <laughs> right? So yeah. they compound on top of their stress. And so there's and there's so many other things that are happening there, but that's the gist of it. Wow! Yeah, you really um you really painted that really beautifully for me. Yeah, yeah I can imagine like coming coming into that and just seeing you know people complaining about uh, traffic or you know mm. the fact that their coffee was not hot enough <laughs> or something like that. You know, it must be really tough to to, to see that. And I, I think that's probably similar to what I was saying about New Zealand culture. It's it's uh, they both come down to not being able to share or open up or feel understood about what you're going through. Yeah. And just so you know, guys, there are a lot of programs out there. I personally work with a program called uh, CVETS where we are combat veterans who are uh, – we're doing resiliency training and we're trying to, we're doing what we can to help veterans and we work with corporate businesses as well um, that – need to learn how to bounce back and bounce back stronger uh, and, and be resilient. Uh, I'm a master resiliency trainer. It's trained through the military, well, trained through uh, university, paid for by the military, uh, so that I could work with veterans and fam active duty and family members and now work with veterans to be resilient in, uh, you know, learn resiliency before they get into an event and after, for that matter. So there's a lot of programs out there for veterans, uh, for sure. It's just getting access to them, knowing about them, and then getting in the right ones. Because some of them, quite frankly, you know, they still sell death and destruction uh, type of mentality, and that's not helping the process. Yeah, well, that's great that you're, uh, 
you're trying to help with that, Wally. That's really awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. So one of the things we have we like to talk about here, and I was, you know, we're not quite changing the subject yet because we're still going to stay on this on this low, if you will. Um, we're going to get a little bit deeper because I like to ask this question, this kick in the gut moment, because we all have them. It's what we do with that experience that sometimes changes the trajectory of our life and puts us into a whole new uh, mindset, a whole new industry, a whole voca- different vocation, uh, if you will. So if you would, share with us a kick in the gut moment and really make us feel that. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've had a great life. I've been very, very privileged and very lucky. And, and growing up in New Zealand, middle class was, was amazing. And I was lucky that I got to really choose the career that I wanted to choose. So I became a, an airline pilot when I was pretty young started flying as you know as soon as I was able to 12 years old I took my first flying lesson and really had a great career and I joined uh, an airline in Japan when I was 30 and it was a, a dream contract it was uh, two weeks on two weeks off you could live anywhere in the world the airline would fly you to work uh, and it was a ton of money and up until that point my life had gone pretty well career had gone phenomenally well and uh i had a a partner with me that we 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 moved to japan and we decided we were going to travel uh every month to a new country we were just going to keep traveling for as long as we could so it was just an incredible experience we were so blessed so we we lived in sydney for a bit and then we lived in hawaii and then we were living in san francisco and i had this feeling that things weren't uh, this is not the relationship that I wanted for the rest of my life and this is not the person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with and I felt completely trapped because one I was feeling like that that this wasn't the right relationship and two that this person had left New Zealand had left their job and was now traveling the world with me so how could I break up with them and just leave them stranded when, when you know they were coming into my life and so for months and months and months, I felt so trapped. I had a, a knot the size of a rock in my stomach permanently because I felt so stuck. And, uh, you know, eventually made the decision to break up. And it was like a really heartbreaking moment for both of us. And it was a real rock bottom moment for me just purely because of the fact that I everything had gone so well in my life. And this is the first time that I was in a position where both options felt really shitty mm. and it kind of it sent me into a huge spiral to be honest yeah okay. <laughs> but ultimately i mean what's the alternative to continue on in a relationship that you know is not that you at that point you just knew wasn't the right thing or you know break it off and see what's gonna you know just kind of move on yeah, it just, uh, I mean, it sounds super easy sitting here, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. talking about it. Yeah. It sounds like uh, really obvious. But to me, it was like, wow, this this just has huge repercussions both ways. And, you know, like, like any relationship breakup, of course. Right, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So what was the, you know, what did you, how did it turn out? I mean, what what was the next steps that basically led to the recovery, at least the emotional recovery, and led into what you're doing today? So I went, uh, flew back to Japan, uh, kind of stayed in my, my shit for a couple of weeks. And I'd, I'd had to... Uh, I was following a coach online you know i didn't know what coaching was really but i was following this guy's blog that i was really interested in uh, a guy called phil drolet and he he wrote an email a newsletter email saying that he'd just spent the last three months completely disconnected in the the mountains of california and he was finding you know spiritual depth and levels of consciousness that he couldn't believe and didn't believe were possible and I'd never read an email like this. I'd never heard of that kind of conversation before. So I emailed him back and said, wow, that's crazy that you've been in the mountains. And he said, hey, you know, would you like me to take you on a sort of a 90-day journey similar to what I've been through and I can I help you out? And I said, no, no, life's pretty good. I don't need I'm not really into that sort of stuff. But, I, you know, good for you. You keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And then this breakup happened. And <laughs> uh, I, I dug through my email and went, uh, hey, Phil, is that op- offer still open to, you know, I think I might need your help. And 
what you know progressed from there as uh, the most transformative period of my life phil took that rock bottom moment and that breakdown that i was in and turned it into the life that i have now which was uh becoming a coach leaving my flying career figuring out exactly what i wanted to do with my life who i wanted to serve uh the kind of relationship i wanted to be in so yeah i was lucky that that rock bottom moment became a springboard for everything that i enjoy today awesome uh, absolutely awesome it's it's funny how it's such a similar conversation that a lot of guys have with themselves when it comes to getting this that type of coaching and uh life coaching or any type of coaching any type of help outside of our high school football coach or baseball coach or rugby coach <laughs> you know it's like we don't get coaching outside of that or college if, if any of us have the privilege of doing something like that in college it's like why do you think that you can continue on in life without that sort of assistance or you can do it don't get me wrong but there's just so much so much more to learn and and it's done so much quicker with somebody by your side who knows what they're doing oh totally and and i guess we know that because we're on the other side of it Mm -hmm. it's hard if you haven't experienced this before well one you just think uh I think for a lot of people, you think, well, if I need help to live life, you know, what does that say about me? Mm-hmm. Like, I, and so I think it, it it's often looked at as this uh, remedial thing that you're failing at life, so you need a coach to help you. But I, I, that's never how I approach my clients. I look at my clients and go, well, you don't need me. Nobody needs a coach. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you all have great lives. I work with really top performers. Uh, you don't need it. But you know, nobody got to the Olympics without a coach, right? You, you would never think of somebody <laughs> going to the Olympics and just doing it on their own and just mm-hmm. thinking, well, this is the best way. You know, if I need help, then it's not really a win. That would seem like nonsense in the sporting arena. Right. So why in, in, in life or in business or when you're trying to pursue an extraordinary life, wouldn't you have that help on your side? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, guys, every time I've done anything extraordinary in my life, I've had a coach by my side or a mentor, somebody who I literally paid money to. Um, I've had mentors that I didn't pay money to as well. But my first mentor that I paid was called the mentor, (laughs) Claude Diamond. He taught me. He worked with me for a year. And I paid him $5,000 to basically, I would be at a deal and I would call him and say, here's the numbers, here's the conversation. He said, all right, grab this contract, go back in there, tell them this, this, and this, boom, deal done. I I would not have done that without him. Every time I've tried to do something on my own, uh, I might have got it done, but not as quickly as I wanted to and probably not nearly as well as I could have had I had somebody by my side pushing me along and even even giving me the encouragement to, you know, when I had that imposter syndrome and like, who am I to do this type of thing. It's just extremely powerful, guys. I'm hoping you're getting that by now. Yeah, you either come to that work through, you know, me, like I came to it through a rock bottom moment, mm-hmm. uh, or you come, it's two extremes, it's either end of the spectrum, you don't, yeah. if, if life is fine for you, you're not going to have much incentive to, to go and get some help. But if you have a rock bottom moment, that's when you're going to look for help. And on the other end, if you're trying to take on a big dream, or you're trying to achieve a big goal, and as you start going for that, you realize that you might not be equipped to go after it, that's the other time you're going to come looking for help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So how are you paying it forward uh, to others? What are some good news stories that that are coming out of what you're doing specifically? And let's get into specifically what you do and who you do it for. Uh, Yeah, sure. So, you know, I I think, for me, I think the world is, uh, there's a lot of challenges in the world. We've talked about some of them already. And so I'm always looking at how can I use my energy to have the maximum impact. And so... The people that uh, I work with are all people that are trying to improve people's lives or improve the planet in new and innovative ways. So that's uh, social entrepreneurship, right? Coming up with a business that has a uh, a deeper mission baked into it or uh, people that are starting a foundation or someone that wants to become a coach or a, a motivational speaker or something like that. So I'm always looking for the type of people that uh, are really committed to making a difference and i know that if i can uh, really uh, help those people 
really catalyze them, then my impact is exponential. It goes out to all of those people and then all the thousands of people that they impact. So that's all, always who I'm filtering for. I only work, for, work with a handful of people. So when I'm talking to someone and sort of interviewing whether I want to take them on as a client, I'm always checking, you know, what's the motivation here? Is it, does this person uh, just want to become wealthy? Does this person, uh, you know, just want to start a business to exit in four years? Or is there something deeper here, some deeper desire that they really want to go after? And do they see the the, the, the pains of people on the planet? And is there something there that they want to impact? It's those type of people that really bring me alive because I know, like, if I can have an impact on them, we can change the world. Yeah, somebody with a much bigger purpose is what I'm getting from that. Uh, and it's, yeah, I, I, it's just... <laughs> It, it, the feeling of working with people like that, they just have something bigger than themselves. One, you know they're going to put in the work. Uh, and two, you just love being a part of the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so what I love to do is, is a couple of ways. is uh, people that are still in jobs that uh, they're either bored, they can do this job with their eyes closed, and they want to uh, move into something more aligned. Uh, so we, we have a 12-week course for people like that called the Quit to Create Accelerator. Uh, or the people I work with one-on-one generally have an idea uh, of what they want to do, but like I was saying before, they, they take on this big idea, but they don't really know how to achieve it. And so for those people, I'm really trying to help them flesh out exactly what they want, get really, really clear on what they want, uh, and give them the space to do that each and every week. Uh, really get clear on what the mission is. What, what is the what is your life's work? What's the mission that you really want to go after? And then three, how do you use your skills and talents in the most optimum way to make that happen? So I'm always kind of looking at those three things. So when you're working with guys, so I, I was looking at your site and I really like what you have here that says uh, start an impactful business today. Um, and you talk about the 10 reasons that basically – leave them at their soul-sucking career because <laughs> that's how a lot of these people feel. Now, guys, I get it. Not everybody feels that way. Don't beat us up. Some people absolutely love their job because it, it provides purpose to you and to others. 100% totally get that. Do what you love. But for those who do want to break away from their career and start their own business, um, what is the, what are the basics of a mindset of somebody who's on the edge of thinking about doing something like that? Because that's scary. Oh, man, it's really scary. And I went through it. I gave up a 16-year flying (laughs) career. I was at the top of my game to go and do this ambiguous thing of trying to help people. Uh, So I get it. Um, Yeah, if you go to my website, you can download the 10 reasons that people won't leave their job to start a business and the answer to each of those. Uh, But I I give you a couple here. So uh, one is uh, just the, the fear of failure. What if, I, what if I give this a go? What if I leave my job? What if I take this on and it fails? What if I run out of money and then I have to drag myself back to my boss's office and beg for my old job back, humbled and embarrassed? Uh, so I would say that's one of the biggest fears. And the, the, the cousin to that fear is, is around money mm-hmm. and how do I make money from this and what if I run out of money? Um, it's a, real, it's a real concern you know some people say that uh, fear is false evidence appearing real but that's bs because that's a real a, a very real feeling and emotion right there yeah it really is and so you do have to have the right plan in place and you do have to have the right support and the right coaches and mentors on your team and know what you're doing but ultimately this is when you're working on your business you said at the start business is really really tough but what I've found in myself over and over again is, well, I'm creating something that's mine. I'm creating something that is based on what I want to give to the world, is something that is an expression of my gifts, is the mission that I want to go after. And so I try to always come back to that, that even if it gets hard or even if I'm uh, stretched financially in a certain month, that there's nowhere else I would rather be than putting my energy into this project. And you know, if you gave me a billion dollars tomorrow, I would still be doing some version of the work that I'm doing. I would still be trying to help people 
find purpose and find mission and and realize their gifts can help change the world in some way i would still be doing that so i take a lot of heart in that that if you find the right thing and go after it that that is the reward in itself yeah i totally agree and i'm exactly i'm literally the same way because I don't have to do what I do as a business coach, as a business strategist. I could sit back and enjoy my income and be retired 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just, I just choose not to do that. Uh, what is it that gets share. you going? What's that? What is it that gets you doing that? Well, what gets me doing that is part of, partly what we were talking about earlier is my mentor, one of my mentors, uh, Carl Bryan, his brother committed suicide i think he was 23 years old when he committed suicide over a failed business deal and carl was 16 at the time and carl's one of the top business coaches in the united states or at least last year was voted in top 11 up there with tony robbins and many others but um it's near and dear to me as well because like i said i tend to work with a lot of veterans because we attract who we are right and so a lot of veterans that already have issues let's just say and then they want to go into business and like you're saying you know you have this passion you, you have this thing that's bigger than you that you want to provide to the world but the problem is most of these folks they have the passion they have the energy they have the desire to do it they just quite frankly do not have the business acumen the business mindset and the business skills to pull it off and 5 years later they're burned out their wife is their spouse uh, whoever it is, um, is pulling their hair out, um, stressed out because their hair's falling out, you know, or their hair's falling out because they're so stressed out. Uh, it breaks up marriages, it causes ill health, and it causes suicide. So my what I'm doing and why I'm doing it is to ease the business stress that is caused by poor business um, practices and relieve that stress so that they can get their health back and start spending more time with their family and spend instead of all their time and money in the business so that's really where my passion comes from oh man i I just love that i love that you have such a deep mission that you're attached to yeah so that's me we're talking about you (laughs) and (laughs) i love what you're doing and that's why we connect so well because you know it's, it's kind of the same thing it's just we we have we all have our bigger purpose uh, and how we do things. And that's why it's, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, Wally, why do you have people on your show that do the same thing and you're highlighting them and you share them on all over social media? I'm like, because I'm an abundant leader, dude. I can't possibly serve everybody. And not everybody likes me. So, you know, I want them to connect with somebody who they can uh, resonate with and get help from. Yeah, I mean, it's such a, a personal journey. Like when you let somebody into your life, I think mm. the most important thing is that you, you resonate with them. Someone can have all the talent and all the skills that you need in, in a coach or a mentor. If you don't get on with them or you don't feel like uh, aligned with them or you just don't feel like they really understand you, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. So I think it's so true. There's there's a ton of different people out there to work with. Find the one that resonates with you. Find the story that resonates with you uh, in that person's story. Mm. Um but yeah, you you, the, what you touched on before when when I first started my podcast uh, two and a half years ago, it was the, the sole reason was to try and understand this high suicide rate, and so I spoke to all sorts of people. I spoke to psychologists, uh, therapists. I spoke to uh, business leaders. I spoke to uh, rugby players in New Zealand, um, celebrities in New Zealand, and just trying to get a, get a handle on what this what all of this is. And the reason I do what I do now, which is try and help people build a, a mission-based business, what I call an impactful business, impactful in the way that impacts the world and also impacts your life positively, is because, you know, talking about suicide for, for a year and a half on the podcast, it can be quite dark and quite heavy. And what I realized is, oh, what's the flip side of suicide like what's on the other side of the coin and it's it's living an extraordinary life it's mm. it's it's living that uh you know a life by by design and so that's when i moved into what i'm focusing on now is to go okay you can't focus on focus on suicide to end suicide you have to focus on how do you take people towards an extraordinary life 100%. and so that's where i put my energy now it comes from a very similar place to you 
Yeah, and that's with the Nathan, Nathan Seward show? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I haven't had a chance to check that out. I actually had uh, did check you out when I was looking you up because I do stalk people just like I do with clients. <laughs> uh, I, people that want to come onto the show or get pitched to me, you know, through um, like Brooke sent me over your information. And uh, I noticed that you was on uh, Mark Mowinney's show, The Natural Born Coaches, who actually was one of my first coaches I hired as I got into coaching. <laughs> Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. And I stalked him for a long time. It took a good six or seven months before I actually hired him, and he was recommended by multiple people. And since mm. then, I've just hired so many other coaches. Because like you and the other, you know, with the other podcasts, I started my podcast. I got coaches to teach me how to podcast. John Lee Dumas, Mark uh, Mark um, Asquith, and, and some others. And then when people started asking me to coach them to live a life of abundance like that that I currently live, I was like, I don't know where to start, guy. I would love to, <laughs> but I really don't, don't even – I was not looking for that, and I don't know where to start. So I hired a couple coaches. Uh, Mark was one of them. So, uh, yeah, it's just – there we go back to <laughs> hiring coaches again. But it's important to get educated and, and you know learn from people who are doing what you do want to do anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've spent over 120,000 or something on, on my own coaches and courses mm -hmm. and business coaches. And yeah, I think you just have to, especially if you're in this business, right? There's no point, you know, trying to uh, en enroll people to work with you when you, you're not working with coaches yourself like, exactly that's like going to a doctor who says issue. yeah you get, like going to a doctor who says you know i'm a doctor and i suggest you do this that and the other i don't believe in doctors but you got to do what i tell you to do <laughs> yeah you know i personally don't go to a doctor be an <laughs> odd way to operate <laughs> anyhow so brother we're at the point where we're going to pay it forward you ready to do that absolutely excellent so share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today sure so i think uh you know, the first place I always start is to get really honest with yourself. You may need help with that. You may need a coach or, or a mentor to help you uh, ask the right questions to get really honest with yourself. But you can do it on your own uh, just by journaling or, you know, being, being really clear on where am I at right now. If I was being really honest with myself, if I was just uh, taking the emotion out of it and just putting a really critical eye over my life, where what is working? Like what's working for me? What's not working for me? Uh, you know, how, how am I? How do I feel right now, day to day? Do I wake up inspired, excited, uh, feeling alive, or do I kind of wake up exhausted, drag myself out of bed, you know, check my phone? So, so get really honest about where you are in your life. I think that's always the you, you can't overestimate how important that step is. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all. Second of all, what I, I do with all my clients, and uh, it's it's uh, it's not magic. I, I always look at where you want to go. What's your three-year vision? And I get really really clear on that. Uh, so take the time, take the time this weekend to go and sit down and go, you know, in in August 2022, what would blow my mind if I was able to achieve it? What what would be an incredible life and look at all the areas of your life go what would I want to be doing in my career or my business what would I want my relationship to look like what do I want my finances to look like what do I want my spirituality to be and how do I want my days to look I think is really important how do I how do I want to spend my time day to day uh, so have a look at that get really clear on your vision and then the third thing work out what is the smallest possible step that you can take today towards that and so it's not going to be quit your job and start a business it's a massive step it takes a lot of planning and a lot of preparation but it might be uh, register the domain name of the business idea that you have it costs you $15 mm -hmm. so those are the three things I would do that's what I, I if ever I work with a client that's what I'm going to do I'm going to get really honest with you start a uh, create a big vision and then take the first small step uh, and there's no reason why you can't do a version of that yourself this weekend. Absolutely not. No, I agree with that 100%. What rituals make the biggest impact in your life, Nathan? Uh, every morning uh, I have a cold shower. I've done that for five years. And it's an immediate state change for me. And then I go and plant myself down and I do anywhere between 15 minutes and an hour of meditation. And uh, in terms of it's it's boring, it's uh, it's over oversold these days. Everybody talks about it, but in terms of bang for buck, 
uh, cold shower and meditation, nothing, nothing shifted my life or continues to shift my life bigger than those two things. Yeah, you know, uh, it is oversold. I'm using air quotes, if you will, but there's a reason for that. It works. It absolutely mm. 100% works. I can't wait till it gets cold again here in Florida because, quite frankly, I can't take a cold shower in Florida. The water <laughs> don't get cold. <laughs> it's just not getting cold. And uh, I, I love, that. I'm not a cold weather person, but I do enjoy getting up in the morning and turn, I like a hot shower after the workout and, and then turning it ice, just ice cold for the last couple minutes. I just love that. Plus, I like swimming in our community pool. I'm the only one that swims in the community pool um, in the wintertime. When it's 40 degrees, 44, 45 degrees air time, but the water's warmer than the air. So I just love it. It's, it's so exhilarating. Uh, it's so good. It, the, the funniest thing happens to me every morning. I get up and I go and I turn the cold shower on and I feel the, 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 the spray of the cold shower coming over me. And then I go, maybe I won't do it today. Maybe I'll have a hot shower. You know, I've, I've done enough cold showers. Maybe I'll, this is the day I just give myself a break. And I go, no, 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 come on, sit there. And then I, I turn around and then I, I, I stare into the mirror for a bit and then I mess around and then I go back to the cold shower and then I put my hand in and then I take it out again. <laughs> and I do this whole ridiculous ritual for about six or seven minutes every morning mm-hmm. until I finally get in there and do it. But it's that ritual that's, that's where the power is. It, yeah. It's all of my stuff, my ego, my resistance, everything that stops me achieving anything in life shows up. That's the first thing I have to overcome every morning is all the excuses every morning. And then I plow myself into that cold shower, which tells my mind and my body, when I say we're going to do something, we do it. Yeah. It doesn't matter all the excuses. But I do that every day. It's never easy. That is so awesome. I, I totally relate, man. What are you <laughs> reading or listening to that you would recommend to our abundant leaders and why? Uh, I just read a great book uh, by Jen Sincero. It's You're a Badass at Making Money. Mm. And it really made me realize that we can never, our, our, our money stories, there's, there's no end to that work. You know, we, if you, you know, are making 50000 at the moment and you want to make 100000 there's a, a certain money story that you're going to have to overcome. And then if you're making 100000 a year and then you want to make 100000 a month, there's a money story you have to overcome. And then if you want to get to a point where you're uh, giving a lot of money away, there's a money story. So it, it, it never we have so much uh, training and uh, beliefs around money that, that have to be uh, overcome. And Jen's book is such a hilarious, fun read and just gets right to the heart of a lot of really common money stories and how to overcome them. So I'd, I'd highly recommend everybody read that book. You're a, you're a badass at making money? <laughs> yeah, that's the name of it. Awesome. She's got a whole series called You're a Badass and this is the one on, on money. You know what? Now that you say that, I have heard of that series for sure. I've got three credits on Audible, so <laughs> it sounds <laughs> like that's the next one. Yeah, you'll be surprised. It's, yeah, because really I love my audio books. I'm writing that down. Perfect. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that, man. And it, it, mindset is just huge. You know, it's your thermostat, guys, that you have to cont- continuously adjust because you've all got a thermostat. We've all got it. And our thermostats on money, our thermostats on our health, our thermostats on relationships. If you want a, something better, you got to adjust your thermostat, and it's not easy to do. Um, <clears throat> get a coach. Well, can, can I give you an example, Willie? <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, get a coach. I mean, you know, we're coaches, so we're a bit biased, but yeah, get a coach is an easy way to, to overcome it. But re- here's something that's sort of unexpected, right? Like, this is, this is how it works. I was reading through the, doing the, the exercises on my money story, and one of the things I realized is uh, my dad, I've, for, since I was about 25, I earned more money than my father. And he's made a couple of comments over the years that sort of made me feel a little bit bad about that or made me feel uh, like he might have been a little bit jealous or, you know, that I was, uh, you know what I'm saying, right? Like he, he just, it was it's a weird scenario to earn no, a lot no, more I'm money checking. than your yeah. father. Yeah. yeah. And so, Hard to explain, uh, but I get it. Yeah. And so I, uh, as I was doing these money stories, I, I, I kind of was writing out the beliefs and one of them that came up was uh, the more money I earn, the less my father loves me. Mm. And, you know, we could do a whole podcast on just, you know, our parents' love and, right. and how much that affects us. But realizing just that one belief and how that 
just that belief alone, how that would subconsciously stop me from making money because I don't want to lose the love of my father is huge. Just understanding that that line of programming is within me. And so I would never, I, I would never have known that. You know, I would have just been out in the world going, man, it's weird. I, I'm really struggling to make money at the moment. I don't know why I'm doing all the right things. But there's these underlying beliefs, beliefs that unless we bring them out to the surface, we would never know that they were there. Mm-hmm. And so that's an example of belief work that was really surprising yeah. to me. Yeah, absolutely. Or you would make an, a, a set amount of money, way more than what you'd normally make, but then what? You would go blow yeah. it. You would lose it. Somehow, some way, you would knock yourself back down to where you belong and where you're comfortable subconsciously. Yep. Yeah, 100%. And it's a it's just proof in fact. We can, like you said, that's a whole other conversation we can have for days. Yeah. Yeah. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance, Nathan? Uh, not being honest with themselves. Mm. Build on that a little bit. Uh, just uh, two two ways: not being honest when you're not happy. So, th- a lot of people I hear they'll go, uh, you know, you know, I'm not that happy in my job, and you know, it's, uh, but you know, like it's a lot of people have got it a lot worse than I have. You know, the job's not that bad, and uh, you know, I do like parts of it, and so we're so quick to dismiss our truth mm-hmm. instead of just going, well, my truth is I don't like my job. <laughs> And and just sitting in that truth rather than justifying it and and going well you know I should be grateful and all that forget all that for a second mm-hmm. just acknowledge the truth of what you're feeling so we don't do that enough and we don't be really honest about what we want as we get older we kind of rationalize and uh, go well that's okay for you to want that or you know I did want that when I was younger but you know I don't so we kind of we're not honest with what we truly want if we mm-hmm. were really getting honest with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And I personally believe that a lot of that stems from the fact that um, we're worried about what others will think about us because we get a lot of that mindset from people that we love, our parents, the church, you know, and, and other groups that we grew up with. Uh, like, for instance, you know, I, I want to earn more money, but I shouldn't because it's evil. Or, you know, I'm taken away from somebody else or any number of things. So, yeah, I, I totally get that. Thanks for sharing that. So what does being a man of abundance mean to you? Mm. Uh, it means, let me just check in with this because that's such a beautiful question. Uh, it, it's realizing that. You know, just just by being born, it's like an infinitesimally small probability, and that just the fact that we get to have this experience, and uh, for me in particular, that I get to speak English and can come to America easily and and uh, meet people and start a business here and and make an impact, and it's just incredible, like the amount of opportunity and and possibility that's out there and so being a man of abundance is remembering that in the face of challenge and struggle and you know things that happen with being human that we all have remembering like wow it's just the fact that you get to be alive means that you 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 won you won the lottery you have all the abundance you could ever ever want yeah yeah absolutely Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. So we're definitely going to have NathanSeward.com linked up in the show notes and everything else we talked about, the books and all that kind of stuff. But what else did we not talk about before I let you go to the You Want to Ensure Our Abundant Leaders Get Out of Our Conversation? Uh, I, think, <laughs> I, think we covered, I think we covered most of it. You know, uh, all, all I'm going to parrot all the time is be honest with yourself, uh, dream big. And, and figure out how to make an impact and make a difference with this one life that you have. Wonderful. absolutely love it, man. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, go out, live your life of abundance. Keep paying it forward. I really dig what you're doing, and I know it's making a huge impact. You too. Thanks, Wally. And thank you, everyone, for listening. My pleasure. All right, guys, your action step is simple today. Just pay it forward. Be kind to others. Have some empathy for what other people are going through. 
be abundant in your thoughts and actions and pay it forward. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.